after the Lord. He wanted to see his face. And so we see him be anointed and we see the favor of God move over him. When we chase after God with a pure heart, saying, Lord, I just want to see your face. I just want to see your face. I just want to hear your voice. I'm relying on you. There is an anointing in favor that will unlock over you. That when you're in that place of reliance, when you're in that place of humility, say, none of me, God, all of you. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I talk to these people? How do I interact with these people? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I'm a servant. We read it in Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. You're blessed when you're a servant. You're blessed when you're pure of heart. You're blessed when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. You have these promises from Jesus' mouth. This is when you're blessed. And David relied solely upon God. And as we see him grow, Saul, he's tormented. And this is a word for all of our musicians and our worship leaders. Saul's tormented. And David gets brought into the court to serve King Saul as a musician. He said when he played his music, peace fell over the room. The tormenting spirit was held at bay. So musicians... Worship leaders, when you come in this room, understand that when you play those keys, when you sing these songs, when you praise, those spirits of torment that are coming in this room from people walking in, they're held at bay. People find the peace of God. They say, oh my gosh, where am I at? I don't feel like this when I go to Costco. I feel the opposite, actually. I walk in here and I just feel peace. Oh, my Lord. It's a beautiful thing, and it's such a blessing, and so don't take that lightly ever. But David was brought in to play that music and bring peace to King Saul. We know the story. A lot of us probably do. As time went on, they attacked the Philistines, and they sent out their champion, Goliath, a giant, huge, talking crazy, dissing them, carrying a giant sword and armor that was bigger than most of the men in the army. He was a giant. And we see David's anointing shine through. We see the favor of God on David's life. He goes up and he kills him with a rock. He doesn't kill him with a sword. He doesn't wear armor. He doesn't have this crazy epic duel. He throws a rock at his head and he dies. And he goes and cuts his head off. It's unreal. It's radical. But it was building who David was. He said, I know I can rely on God to take care of me. I know God will show up for me. I don't have to sit here and try to fight. I don't have to sit here and try to put on armor or put walls up in front of my heart or fight people or talk mean or talk bad about somebody. I don't have to argue with this giant that's in front of me. I don't have to do anything. I'm humble. I'm reliant. It's radical. The whole world looking at me say, you're about to die. (laughs) Are you crazy for doing that? Are you crazy for going towards him that way? You're about to die. But it was teaching him. It taught him reliance. It taught him that God was with him. And so after that happened, obviously, if you killed the biggest giant in the world that everybody knew, you get pretty famous, right? People would start talking about you. And so King Saul, he liked it for a while. 
he liked that David was in his army. He sent David out on missions, and he would do these insurmountable feats. He would take out armies. He would go on missions, and he would win battles where the odds were stacked against him because God's favor was on him over and over and over. He would win, and Saul liked it for a while. Exactly. (laughs) And then they started singing songs. The people started making songs. And they said, Saul killed thousands, but David killed tens of thousands. And he didn't like that very much. (laughs) That's when the tide shifted, right? It's like, yeah, go David, until they started singing songs about him instead of him. He said, "Uh, I don't think I'm feeling that anymore. (laughs) And we remember this man is a very big ego. He's very cocky. He lost the anointing of God. He's tormented. And so he began to be angry at David. He began to corrupt those around him. He would tell people, David's evil. David's going to try to kill me. David's no good. And I know we probably all know somebody that when they're mad, they corrupt everybody around them. They're like cancer. He was like a cancer. He's like, oh, I'm mad, and I'm going to spread it to you. He tried to spread it to his son, Jonathan. Jonathan, David's evil. But Jonathan loved David, and he knew the truth. But King Saul got to this place where he was so angry and he wanted to kill him. It says one time he threw a spear at David's head while he was in his court. And I don't know about you, but if I was working and somebody threw a spear at my head, (laughs) at the very least, I would seek employment elsewhere, right? (laughs) I think that would be a pretty natural response to say, hey, um, it's been a joy working for you, but <laughs> you, <laughs> you threw a spear at my head, man. I, I got to pack my things and, and maybe take it down the road. I'm, I'm going to try to find a job somewhere else, right? I, I appreciate all the time and everything you invested. It's time for me to go. But he didn't. David came back because he knew who he was. He wasn't worried about it. It's the first attack. I'm cool. Saul's crazy anyway. He knew. David knew who he was. Say so he threw a spear at my head. He's tormented by demons. I don't, like, I don't got to fight with him. I killed Goliath. Like, <laughs> like I, I've seen God show up for me over and over and over again. I don't have to sit here and worry about somebody throwing a spear at me. Like, that's corny. You're, that was weird. That's wild. I'm not going to play into that. But then the attacks got greater. Saul continued to plot. He continued to go at David. He continued to try to murder him. There was attempts on his life. He threw a couple more spears at him. It just continued and continued to the point where one night he sent his men to murder him in his home. And that's when David said, okay, it's time to go. So David fleed into the wilderness. He ran away. Jonathan helped him escape. Saul's son, Jonathan, helped him escape. And David ran. He ran away. And I'm serious, I think that 1 Samuel should be a movie because it's one of the most amazing written books in the Bible. And if you, I encourage you to read it because it's just so powerful. But he escaped in the night and he ran. He disguised himself at, at certain points. He strategically planned to get away. He met with his family. He began to gain his followers of loyal people, the people that were loyal to him, the warriors that were loyal to him. He pulled them together. It was 400 men, then 600 men. He pulled them together. And we see this chase happen in 1 Samuel. As David is running away, he's running away from King Saul. 
And King Saul would catch word of David being in a city, and he would bring 3,000 men to try to get David. Say, oh, David's over there in Avon Lake. He'd pull up with 3,000. Let's find him. But by the time he got there, David had been long gone because God's hand was on him. He was anointed. And he chased David. He chased him around. And he said <laughs> he would show up. The, the book says he, she would show up. And if there was anybody that helped David, he would kill him. Even priests, it didn't matter. There'd be priests that would assist David, and they would cost him their life. He was serious. He was serious about killing him. He wasn't playing any games, and he was willing to do whatever it took to get rid of David. But David's life was covered. The hand of God was upon him. And I really love um, 1 Samuel as well is really cool because, you know, we get a commentary built in with the book of Psalm. We get the commentary built in with the book of Psalm because Samuel will give you the history, history like story of it and like the backdrop of what's going on. But then you get to look at Psalm and you get to see David's words that he wrote during this time. You get to see his heart posture during this time, which I think is the most powerful thing. And when we're talking about integrity, it really shows who David was when this was happening. So I'm going to read Psalm 7. And I'm just going to read it for you straight from the word and, you know, feel free to look it up later, but write it down, whatever you need to do. But in Psalm 7, we get an insight of what David was thinking, what he was saying, what his heart posture was. And it says, Lord, my God, I take refuge in you. Save and deliver me from all who pursue me. Or they will tear me apart like a lion and rip me to pieces with no one to rescue me. Lord, my God, if I have done this and there is guilt on my hands, if I have repaid my ally with evil or without cause have robbed my foe, then let my enemy pursue me and overtake me. Let him trample my life to the ground and make me sleep in the dust. He's saying, God, if I deserve this, then let it be. If I've done wrong, if I'm in any way in the wrong here, I'll take my punishment. I'll take my punishment. And that's so, it takes integrity. It takes integrity. It takes maturity. It takes understanding to look at your life and say, man, maybe I'm the problem. If you're looking around and everybody's crazy, maybe, just maybe it's you. Just maybe you're the problem. Just have an ounce of humility to look at yourself and say, man, maybe I'm the issue here. Maybe I'm the issue here, God. And if it's me, correct me. If it's me, correct me. I want to repent. I want to be washed clean. I want to be made new. If I'm the problem, I take full accountability for it. That was David's heart posture. He said, look, these guys are after me. They're going to rip me apart like a lion. Nobody's going to protect me. He's sending 3,000 people at me every time. But if it's because of something I did, Lord, I'm chasing after your heart. Correct me. Fix me. But if not, he said, arise, Lord, in your anger. 
Rise up against the rage of my enemies. Awake, my God, decree justice. Let the assembled peoples gather around you while you sit enthroned over them on high. Let the Lord judge the peoples. Vindicate me, Lord, according to my righteousness, according to my integrity. O Most High, bring to an end the violence of the wicked and make the righteous secure. You are the righteous God who probes minds and hearts. My shield is God most high, who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. If he does not relent, he will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He has prepared his deadly weapons. He makes ready his flaming arrows. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. They trouble they tr the trouble they cause recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their own heads. I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. I will sing praises of the name of the Lord most high. We see David's heart posture. He says, look, if it's me, I'll take the blame. Help me repent. But Lord, if it's not, if they're my enemies are coming at me, let me be found righteous in your eyes. Vindicate me, Lord, and let my integrity shine through. Let my integrity shine through so that when you judge, the only one that can judge, nobody in this room is the judge. Nobody on this earth is the judge. When you judge, Lord, you look down, you see David and you see Saul. Allow me to be the one that you see integrity in. Allow me to be the one you see righteousness in so that I can unlock the anointing of heaven over my life so that I can walk in step with your will so that I can walk in knowing that your hand is upon me and I don't have to worry about anything because if I'm in that place, then I know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. If I'm in that place, I know that even if they try to attack, even if they try to go against me, that the armies of heaven are on my side. And that whatever they think they're going to do to me is going to recoil and hit them. Because I have been found rooted in you. So we see David take this posture of heart. And we see the Lord honor him over and over again. City after city, desert after desert. Saul showing up, chasing him, chasing him, chasing him. These futile attempts to catch him and kill him and it's not happening. And on one occasion, I want to I focus in on three, three stories today. On one occasion, Saul's chasing after David. He has 3,000 men with him. And on their way to chase him, they're in the wilderness, and there's a cave. Saul stops at the cave and goes in to relieve himself, goes in to use the bathroom, takes his robe off. But what Saul didn't know that David and his men were in that cave. All 600 of them. All of them. He was in there, vulnerable. Literally no robe on. Using the bathroom. Surrounded. And David's men said to David, he said, this is your chance. This is it. 
This is what the Lord promised you. You see, the Lord has delivered to you your enemy. He has given you your enemy. Kill him. Take him out. He's been chasing us around this desert. We've been living off of scraps of food. Like, we're tired, man. Kill this crazy king. Kill him. And it says that David, as he approached him with the sword, he felt the conviction of the spirit. He felt the conviction of the spirit. And he said, don't put a hand on him. He said, let him go. He said, don't raise your sword against him. And it said that David cut off a sliver of Saul's robe and retreated back into the cave. And church, this example, it shows us first that if we aren't in the presence of the Lord, if we're not people that are chasing after his heart, reading his word, spending time in his presence, you'll never feel that conviction. You'll never feel that conviction. You'll go through life and you'll see opportunities to get ahead. You'll see opportunities to hurt people that hurt you. You'll see opportunities to take things into your own hands and try to do them in your own strength. And you'll grab them, no matter how bad they are. You won't even be able to see it. You won't even be able to hear that voice that says, hey, uh -uh, no. I know you're hurting, but no. I know that's really hard to let go, but no, you've been forgiven let it go. So we see David cut off the piece of the robe. Saul exits the cave and David goes out after him and he yells out to him. He said, King, it's me, the person that you're telling everybody who wants to kill you and telling everybody how bad I am and how horrible of a guy I am. It's me. Here I am. And just so you know, you can see it says in 1 Samuel 24, 11, he says, see my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. But my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds. So my hand will not touch you. That's integrity. That takes integrity to maintain who you are in a moment where you look at somebody who's chasing you. When you look at somebody who's hurt you, somebody who is not relenting and trying to attack you, somebody who's talked bad about you. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to put my hand towards you. I'm not going to put my hand towards you. Why? Because I killed Goliath already. The Lord's already delivered me battles. I know who I am and I know who you are and I don't have a mean word to say. I don't have a word of gossip to speak. I don't have anything against you, no animosity towards you because I'm going to stay pure before him. That takes integrity, especially when you have your friends around you telling you, kill him, kill him, do it, do it. Got your little circle of friends. Yeah, let's talk bad about that person. Let's gossip. Feels good. You have to have integrity to stand up in those moments. When people are around and people aren't around, it's easy to come in here and pretend. When you go home, who are you? When you're alone and you have those opportunities to decide to be cancer or be healing, what, who are you? What do you choose? 
And it's not that Saul didn't deserve it. He deserved it. He deserved it. This man was throwing spears at his head. He deserved to die. Like, <laughs> it must have been very hard. But David said, I know who my God is, and I know what he can do. I'm not putting my hand towards you. Allow him to judge us and give you what you've earned. The next story I want to look at is about Nabal and Abigail. And this, is, this one, it's not as much of integrity, but it's, what to sh- it's to show you what happens when you walk in it. When you walk in this faith, when you walk in this, this solid foundation of knowing who Christ is and knowing that you can trust and rely on him. Abigail and Nabal, they had a home out in, in a place called Carmel. And he had pastures and fields and he had lots of sheep. And David's men, as they were on the run, they stopped and they protected his fields. So they protected his shepherds, they protected his sheep, they stood as a wall around his, basically, organization, his business, if you will. They stood as a wall around it. And they said during this time when, they, when his sheep was growing, when his flocks were growing and everything was going on when they were staying there, nothing was missing. So David's men took care of Nabal's shepherds. They took care of them. They protected them. They treated them as their own. They didn't take anything, they didn't steal, and they protected them from outside threats. And when the time came of like harvest, essentially, and a celebration, Nabal began to shear the sheep and began to plan like a huge party to celebrate. And David asked, he said, hey, can you spare some food for my men? Like, we have 600 of us, we're on the run from this crazy king, could you spare a little bit of food? I'm not asking you for a lot, but could you please just spare a little bit of something for me and my men? We've protected you. And Nabal responded, really, really crazy. He was talking out the side of his neck. He was like, man. (laughs) He said, who? David, who? Jesse's son, who? You want me to give food to some random servant that ran? I don't know him. So forget those guys. <laughs> and David got mad. He said, okay, let's get our swords. <laughs> and David said, David said, let's go get our swords because we're not going to stand for this. So as they prepared to go and kill everybody at Nabal's house, and this was like a huge, huge estate. Think of like a mini castle. As they prepared to go take everything, Nabal's wife, Abigail, heard what was happening. She understood the situation, and she gathered food. She got 200 loaves of bread. She got cake. She got meat. She got wine, and she took it out to David without her husband knowing, and she said, David, please. <laughs> she said, my husband is a fool. <laughs> she did. This is, I tell you, First Samuel is written really well. Like, it's like a movie script. Like, <laughs> she said, listen, my husband's name means fool. She said, Nabal means fool. She said, please, do not attack us. Don't kill us. Don't kill all of my family. Don't kill all these innocent people due to his craziness. And it's beautiful because David stops. And he praises God. And he says, Jesus, thank you. Or not Jesus at the time. He said, God, thank you. Thank you for stopping me from taking things into my own hands. Thank you for stopping me from spilling blood and avenging myself by my own strength. Thank you for stopping me from avenging myself. It's in 1 Samuel 25, by my own hand. He said, Lord, I appreciate you for not allowing me to spill innocent blood. He had integrity in that moment. He dropped his anger. 
Nabal deserved it. (laughs) He deserved it. But he was able to drop his anger and look at the situation and say, man, I am blessed because the Lord fights for me and the Lord provides for me. And not only did he provide, but in 25, um, in 1 Samuel 25, verse 38, it says about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. He's kept me from doing wrong. He brought his wrongdoing down on his own head. It shows us what the Lord will do when we have integrity. It shows us what the Lord will do when he can look down on us and see us pure, see us righteous and see us following after him. Say, oh, look at my kid. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to provide for you. Not only am I going to provide for you, but I'm going to keep you from doing wrong. Not only am I going to keep you from doing wrong, but I'm going to bring that little attack down on your enemy's head too. Wow. It's like a superpower. It's like a seriously, it's like a superpower. But all we have to do is uphold integrity. Uphold integrity. Uphold this foundation and this calling that we've been called to. This anointing that we've been called to. It's up to us. It's a choice. And the final story I want to look at is the second and last time that David had an opportunity to kill Saul. He was chasing him again in the wilderness like he did for literally the entire chapter and the entire, most of the majority of the book. And Saul's men set up camp, and David had the advantage on him, like David always did. And he saw them set up camp, and he saw King Saul go to sleep. And him and one of his spies went down into the camp, and they were over top of him. And his spy said, here it is, it's your chance. Kill him, kill him, David. You have a chance to do it. He's been chasing us. You already showed him once, and he didn't believe that you were really good, and he got all his people to get riled up again, and he's back for more. He's trying to kill you still. He said, this is your chance. Kill him and take the throne. And it says in 1 Samuel 26, verse 9, He said, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointing. Now grab the spear and the water jug near his head and let's go. And we see David walk away from the camp like he did the first time, calls out to the king. He said, look, once again, I could have killed you. (laughs) Look, this is your hydro flask and your spear. I could have killed you, just so you know. He said, but I didn't. I had integrity. Now leave me alone. And then he mocked him. He made some jokes about him. He said, how are you going to bring 3,000 people to hunt somebody who doesn't matter? He said, go focus on your kingdom. Stop chasing me. And David, in that moment, again, we get the commentary of where he was because he walked through these moments. He walked through these moments where his integrity was tested. His integrity of, hey, am I going to wait on the Lord? 
Am I going to wait on what the Lord will do? Am I going to trust in him enough to fight my battles for me, to provide for me that I don't need to attack, that I don't need to try to do something in my own strength, that I don't need to try to get back at somebody or spread anything? I'm good. And we see this commentary from David in Psalm 26, and we see where his heart is at. And it's beautiful. It says, vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evil doers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord." proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty and whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. He said, Lord, search me, test me, test my heart, search my mind, judge. He's not asking him to do something extra. He's not saying, Lord, give me extra. He's saying, no, Lord, give me what I deserve and give the people that are attacking me what they deserve too. He's saying, Lord, I've lived a blameless life. I walked up to King Saul twice when I could have killed him. And I didn't. I didn't touch your anointed. I didn't talk bad about him. I didn't try to kill him. I didn't attack him. Lord, I've led a blameless life. I've washed my hands in innocence. And that's where we have to strive to be. We have to strive to have integrity. The integrity and understanding that when we are humble, when we have a radical, humble spirit that is reliant upon God, then we can uphold the integrity of our calling. When our spirit is in a place of yielding unto him, that's when we can uphold the integrity of who he's called us to be. That's the only way. When we yield to those around us, when we yield to this world, that integrity goes out the window. We'll jump at opportunities to stab somebody in the back. We'll jump at whatever looks the best in the moment. We'll have no restraint. We'll say, man, that looks good. I'm going for it. Without even considering what the Lord has to say. Without even thinking about what he's telling us to do. But if we're able to be reliant upon him, to be humble, to have radical humility, I say, Lord, even though it looks good, even though Saul deserves to die, even though I know you'll provide, I know you'll provide, even though they're talking trash, I know that you're going to take care of it. So I don't have to go back. I don't have to retaliate because I know whatever they're doing, if I can maintain the integrity in you, will recoil and fall on their own heads. And just like he said it in First Samuel, it's what happened said that Saul went into battle shortly after that. 
He watched his son get killed. After that, he saw his enemies surround him. He knew it was about to be over. He told his servant, he said, hey, kill me before these guys take me because they'll torture me. And the servant said, uh, no, thank you, not happening. So it says that King Saul fell on his own sword, killed himself. David didn't have to kill him. David didn't have to say a mean word about him. He didn't have to fight him. God took care of that. So church, I'm inviting you and I'm just urging you and begging you, please, stand on the integrity of this word. Stand on the integrity of this word. Don't try to take it into your own hands. And I know it might be hard. I know it's not easy. David, you think it was easy for him? I know people are throwing spears at your head. I know it. People might be chasing you down. Life might be chasing you down. But don't take the easy way out. And it might not even be a conflict. It might be something that you struggle with in addiction. Have the integrity to say, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to chase after instant gratification. I'm going to stand with integrity on sustainable joy that is found through Jesus. So as I close today, I want to read Psalm 27 over you. And I just want you to make this your prayer. I just want you to make this your prayer. And we can stand to our feet and we'll get ready to head out. But I want you to really lock into these words. Because, man, Jesus loves y'all so much. And I know that sounds silly because people have, like, trivialized that. But he really does. He really loves you. And if you'll trust in him even a little bit, put it to the test. Put it to the test and see what he does. Put it to the test and see how he shows up for you. Because he will over and over and over again. If you don't have that radical humility in this moment and you're like, man, I can just give a little bit. Give a little bit. Put it to the test. Give a little bit of reliance to God. Take your hands off of it for just a second and see what he does with that little bit. And allow it to grow. Because if you allow yourself to have integrity and stand firm in him, He's going to make those attacks of the enemy look silly. He's going to make those attacks look silly. They might send 3,000 at you. The devil might send a bunch of mess at you. Your life might look like it's falling apart. But you'll be able to stand firm. You won't have to struggle. You won't have to fight. You won't have to be upset. You could stand firm in knowing that your God's going to provide. And whoever tried to send that attack is about to get something if they don't repent. So I want to read Psalm 27 over you. And I just ask that you just focus in and make this your heart's prayer. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy and I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn, tr do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Because of my oppressors, do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witness rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident in this. Make that your prayer. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Church, I just pray that over you right now, that you will be strong and take heart that you will wait on the Lord, that you will become a people that is so reliant on God, that will not move without hearing his voice, that will not move until the spirit tells you to, that will not have an ill word to speak of anybody because you know who you are and you have the integrity of heaven and understanding that that is where your value is rooted, that the things of this world don't mean a thing. I pray that today you are rooting yourself in the Lord. I pray that there is a fresh desire to get closer to his heart, to read his word, to spend time in his presence, to spend time silent before him, waiting for him. And I just pray over you that when life attacks, when you're surrounded by your enemy, that you find rest in him, that you find rest in him that the spirit of pride has no place in your heart. That humility will radiate from you. And that before the Lord, you will be found righteous. I just thank you, Jesus, for blessing this congregation, for blessing this house. I pray that they walk with a new level of integrity. The new level of strength and endurance God I thank you for your precious word and I thank you for your son that you sent Lord we celebrate you during this season and always Jesus allow us to maintain focus on you and to be a people after your heart God you're so good to us we are your humble servants Lord Allow us to serve you well. We love you and we praise your name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.
have people up here ready to pray. If you need prayer, please make your way this way before you make your way that way. Other than that, live right, love everybody, pray hard. Have a Merry Christmas if I don't see you before. God bless y'all.